Welcome to episode 45 of the Idea Blog podcast on the Criminal Code of Canada. Today we are speaking of section 50, assisting the enemy and failing to prevent treason. Section 50 continues our discussion of prohibited acts under the part relating to offenses against the public order. Section 50 contains two separate offenses, assisting an enemy of Canada to leave the country without consent to the Crown and knowingly failing to advise a peace officer or a justice of the peace of an imminent act of treason. The full section reads as follows. Everyone commits an offence who... Subsection A, incites or willfully assists a subject of a state that is at war with Canada or a state against whose forces Canadian forces are engaged in hostilities, whether or not a state of war exists between Canada and the state whose forces they are, to leave Canada without the consent of the Crown unless the accused establishes that assistance to the state referred to in subparagraph I, or the forces of the state referred to in subparagraph 2, as the case may be, was not intended thereby, or B, knowing that a person is about to commit high treason, or treason does not, with all reasonable dispatch, inform a justice of the peace, or other peace officer thereof, or make other reasonable efforts to prevent that person from committing high treason or treason. These offences are indictable and pursuant to subsection 2 of that section, the maximum punishment is 14 years incarceration. As is evident from the wording of the section, these offences are closely aligned to treason and treasonable acts. Indeed, the offence of failing to inform on a person about to commit treason is essentially an offence of being an accessory or party to the treason, either before the fact or after. Originally, this section in the 1892 Criminal Code was worded to that effect. The change came in the 1915 amendments, most likely as a result of World War I, when the offense of assisting an, quote, alien enemy, end quote, was added immediately after this offense of accessory. In 1927, the two offenses were combined to come up with this particular section. Finally, in the 1953-54 amendments to the code, the specific reference to accessory was deleted and the section was reenacted as it stands today. Needless to say, I've been unable to find any reported decisions on this section other than a reference to the duty to report under section 50, subsection 1b. In the 1990 Dirsch case, the BC Court of Appeal considered the seizure of blood samples in a case of suspected impaired driving, where the accused was unconscious when the samples were taken for medical purposes. The issue of confidentiality of medical information was considered with the acknowledgement that such confidentiality was subject to exceptional circumstances, such as a statutory duty to report. Section 50, subsection 1b was cited as an example of such an exceptional situation. The mens rea requirements for this section is of interest. It could be argued that both offenses under this section require a high level of mens rea. In section 50, subsection 1a, the use of the word willfully suggests the requirement for a high level of subjective liability, which does not include recklessness. 
However, the term willfully does not necessarily denote a high level of subjective mens rea, as per the 1979 Ontario Court of Appeal case of Buzanga and Duroche. The contra-argument would rely on the context of this offence, including its connection to treason and the severe punishment attached to conviction as support for a high level of mens rea. But Section 50, subsection 1a reverses the onus by requiring the accused to establish that the assistance rendered was not intended. This reverse onus would certainly be subject to a charter argument under Section 7 and Section 11d. The mens rea requirement for a Section 50, subsection 1b is easier to discern as it requires the accused to have knowledge of the expected treason and therefore would require a high level of subjective mens rea to be proven by the Crown beyond a reasonable doubt. Although this section has been historically underused, considering the rise in alleged acts of terrorism, there is a possibility the section could be more useful in the future. There could be an argument that members of certain terrorist groups are in fact at war with Canada, and a further argument that these groups in some ways constitute a state for purposes of the section. Indeed, some of these groups identify as a state. Certainly, the possibility of accessory charges would also be possible. However, in light of the robust legislation, both within the code and through other federal legislation relating to this area, it's more likely the government would prefer to lay charges under this newer legislation, which provides a much broader basis for conviction. In any event, the Crown would, in those other charges, not face the possibility of A, a charter argument as a result of a reverse onus, but also B, would not have to prove that high level of subjective mens rea. Thank you for listening. I encourage you to go to my website, www.ideablog.ca, to look at the links that go along with this podcast.